Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello, <laughs> and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. Uh, my name is Max Minardi. That's Johnny Summers, who has taken a drink of a beverage. A beer, even. Yeah. Um, I sound a little different this week. I'm very sick. You're not. You look great, man. Th- thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm here to uh, look pretty and not be sick. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm going to do my best to get us through this beginning portion without uh, coughing or sniffling too much. Or the rest of the show, too. Right. If we, yeah, but mostly the beginning of people. I think when people cut out of a podcast, it's like this point right here, and I think we've already lost people. But... Don't be so down on yeah, yourself, dog. Sorry, man. Um, so we're a beer and movie podcast. We cover two beers and one film each and every week. We're on episode 102. And uh we're very excited to be here. I'm pumped. Yeah, me too, man. Um, we're we're I just gonna say off the top, we don't spoil our movie before uh letting you know we're gonna spoil it. So you'll have plenty of warnings before we spoil Widows, 2018 film by Steve McQueen. And that's in part three. That is in part three. We do spoil it and we uh we we act like we've all just come out of the theater. Uh, we talk about the movie and we we let all all things hang loose. I don't know yes. exactly how I want to say yeah. that. But I yes, like there will be spoilers. Too that I think we do it more like we're still sitting in the theater. You yes. ever do that? You just sit in the theater with somebody? Th- yeah. We've it's, done that before. It's the best, I think, kind of like because you're still sitting in the mood, like mm-hmm. you're unpacking the final, especially in movies with twists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing the quote unquote twists in this movie. Yeah. Um, but no, I agree. I agree. So either in the theater or just coming out of it, you talk about it, like we've all seen it. Um, and I think that's all I want to say. If you guys ever want to get in touch with us, you're, we'd love to hear from you. Um, we are newly on untapped. That's a, a beer app. You can find us at fresh hop cinema. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at fresh hop cinema. If you want to send us a longer email, like our friend Nick land did, you can email us at fhccast at gmail.com. And we will very likely get back to you before our next time we sit down to record. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good. Now let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. Uh, we have divvied up the beer buying responsibilities this week. So I picked out our first beer. Johnny picked out our second beer. So I think I will do the honors introducing the first one. Get it. It's from a brewery we have never, ever done on the show uh, in the couple of years we've been recording. And, and that brewery is Rogue. And they're out of Newport, Oregon. If you've never had their stuff, I think... Uh, this might just be my brain, but I've known them most for their um, hazelnut brown nectar. Yeah, that beer's really good. I love that beer. Mm-hmm. I, I've always said like that's kind of been my the one beer from Rogue that I can constantly know that I will really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not that. This is their double chocolate stout. It's a 9% uh, imperial stout. comes in at 50 IBUs, and it's an evolution on their chocolate stout uh, made with Dutch bittersweet chocolate. I believe, and I can't confirm this for sure, I even called the brewery to check, but I believe the double chocolate has been around since... 2010-ish. Okay. Um, just so. Side note, the bottle says 68 IBUs, if anyone Oh, is that cares. right? Yeah. So that's the other thing. Like, they do it. It's a seasonal beer, so it's only available a couple months a year, as far as I can tell. Um, and I'm sure that, that changes every year, the batch, uh, yeah. the ABV and the IBUs. So. And we're not smart enough to figure out the dating on the side of this <clears throat> bottle, so this beer yeah. could be from any year in history. I kind of geeked out when you said that, though, for a minute. I got really excited about Julian dating. Can you can you just roughly explain what that is one more time to people that might enjoy that sort of thing? No. Come on, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a dating system based on the, the numerical values of the days of the year. So if something was brewed on the 253rd day of the year, I don't know what month that would be, yeah, but right. you know, because there's 365, right? Sometimes six, right? With the leap year, sure. That's weird. To yeah, think. 
But anyways, yeah, so it's it's based on that. It's kind of like a little beer code. Yeah, yeah, so if anybody wants to do the math on this bottle, this is just all the numbers we found on the bottom, but it's it's 6062-201-60722. Mm-hmm. You're welcome to let us know. That would be super awesome. Yeah, if you want to go, want to go all Nick Cage and uh, yeah, just National with, Treasure yeah. and go figure this out, yeah. let us know. That would be great. Uh, I didn't, yeah, didn't take the time or have the brain power. But anyways, man. Yeah, so we're not 100% sure when this beer is from, but it's no. a stout. It shouldn't super matter. Yeah, I got it at Craft uh, Wine and Beer in Reno. And it, if as long as I, it's, I mean, it's a bright red, big bottle. And I, I don't think I'd seen it there before. So I think this is probably a newer one. Okay. Um, but what are you, what are you getting off the, off the top? It's interesting. It's a little bit um, boozy. It's definitely more alcohol flavored than I was anticipating. It's got a kind of a bite up front. Man, that is that's super chocolatey though. It's definitely got a bunch of chocolate, that's for sure. Wow. Um, hmm. It's like double chocolate even. Yeah, I think the thing that throws me off too, it's <laughs> touche, is uh is the carbonation yeah. happening here. And maybe that's from it being new, if it is new. Um it's super carved up. I almost yeah, I almost think I noticed on your pour, you noticed also like mm-hmm. it really, really uh it's a bit of bubbly. Know, bubbly. Bubbled. Yeah. Um I really actually enjoy this quite a bit. This is a very like a real heavy, bitter chocolate taste up front. Mm-hmm. Very it's, tasty. It's like baking chocolate. I think too, like the amount that I'm tasting it in conjunction with how congested I am yeah. says a lot. I can't imagine what's going through your palate right now. Yeah, but. All of your ratings are uh, an asterisk. Yes, this for week. sure this week. Um, this is good, man. No, I like this. I like this quite a bit. See, I'm not a huge fan of it. No, why not? It's almost like you had like chocolate and mixed it with apple juice. It's mm. got like a really weird thing happening for me. Really? Yeah. I don't get that. I mean, I get sweetness, but I don't. I wouldn't call it like a fruity apple type sweetness. Yeah, it's it's kind of odd, huh? I don't know if it's my favorite. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot going for it. It's not particularly warm. Um, yeah. but it's also not cold. Yeah. Um, so I think and we're probably getting a pretty good representation of what it should taste like. That description <clears throat> is exactly what I feel like my rating's going to be. What's that? Neither hot sure. nor cold. Okay. Uh, well, that's. Don't leave us hanging. What well, is it? I don't know, man. It's like a four. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Okay. I'm not really feeling this beer. It. It's, yeah, there's something to it. It's like a nagging, almost underlying tartness. Like if, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but it just hits me wrong. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I think I am getting a little bit of that, but it's not overpowering to me. I think before I even taste that, I taste almost like a little bit of, I'm going to say vanilla, um, and that might be wrong, but it tastes kind of vanilla-ish on the back burner to me. Mm-hmm. Do you get that even a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Vanilla with like uh, maybe some cherries in there too. Yeah, but, yeah. And then maybe like that cherry note is kind of what's giving it that weird tartness for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's decent, but it's definitely not anything I'm going to freak out about. Yeah, so this is a 750 milliliter bottle. Big, it's a, big, it's a big boy. Um, And we found it for $13.50 at Craft. So... Uh, it's one of those tricky ones. Like if you want to shell out for it, you're, you're, you know, it's an expensive beer, relatively speaking. So you might be bummed out. You might really like it. I think it's not worth that, but I would pay 10 for this and mm-hmm. be happy. Definitely. Um, so factoring in the price point and the flavors and the experience, um, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a six and a half. Okay. I think that's fair for what I'm. That's a six and a half with a cold. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> it could be better. It could be yeah. worse. Um, but again, this is from rogue. It's their double chocolate stout. If you get a chance to drink it, let us know. We want to know what you think. Find us on Untapped or anything. Yeah, that's a fun, uh, probably a good beer for a share. Yes, somebody hasn't tried it before. That's yeah. Like I don't really see the point in doing it in such a big bottle. Yeah, like it's it's aggressive. Every brewery that does those is getting away from it. Like uh, yep. the brewery out of Southern California, they used to do exclusively three seven um, fifties, yes. and now they're cranking out those little 
375s. Yep. And also, they're doing a lot of those same beers in 16-ounce cans to be sold as singles. Right. That's what Firestone did, too. Yeah. For I that's think, smart, was it this man. year or last year they changed? I think it was last year. Yeah. They, they started doing all their limited run stuff, like Velvet Merkin. Yep. And those Parabola. Sticky yeah. And yeah, and they were all like $20 bottles. And like sometimes I just, I don't, I'm not going to drink it all. Yeah. Or I would, but yeah. it wouldn't be a great night. You don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. So when they, yeah, I think the the downsizing idea is very smart. Yeah. It makes I sense. I appreciate that. <clears throat> 750 is just a ton of beer. Yeah. And it, but if you are sharing it, like even between two people and it's a really good beer, awesome. Or if it's really good, you can just drink it by yourself. Right, that's but, true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's worth a try, but yeah, I'm not going to go out of my way to, to find this or anything, but no. yeah. If it's there and you feel like trying it, go nuts. Yeah. I also think like just it's a fun bottle. That's that shouldn't be left without saying. They do a sriracha stout. Have you ever seen I've that? I've seen the label. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to try it. We should do it for the show. Okay. Sure. I want to try it now. <laughs> we should we should start getting just some weird, disgusting beers. I think that'd be fun, man. I like we we do pretty safe things most of the time. Um, but also things that are like people could find and enjoy. Yeah. I but I'd be down to get weird. It'd be kind of a fun angle because, I mean, we always buy beer that we want to drink. Yeah, right. It'd be kind of fun to, like, every once in a while just throw a curveball not tell the other person mm-hmm. and then just bring oh, some. What if we do it on the same week? That'd be a terrible beer drinking <gasps> week. But we have sippers. We'd, we'd survive. Yeah. we just chase it with bourbon. It'll be fine. Yeah. You've seen some of those, like, lists of the world's strongest beers? Oh, God. Yeah. I'm so interested in, like, what – I should know this, too. Like, what, what constitutes a beer versus, like, a – Liquor or mm-hmm. any other type of <clears throat> alcoholic beverage. Well, it's um, distil- there's some that are like so strong. Uh, fermentation, so like distillation, and then right, also right, right. ingredients. I think those are probably the two main sure. distinctions. But I mean, I'm, it'd be interesting to know the the hard and fast rule there. Yeah, because there's like like the world's strongest beer is like, like seventy. It's like is a, it seventy? Yeah, it's like 70 percent. No way. Alcohol. Yeah. No way. Which so it's like not beer, obviously. But That's stupid. Yeah. Because there's there is how is that still beer? I don't know man. There's a divide between like you'll you'll talk to people that don't drink craft beer who just like straight up uh, like Coors Light or something, mm-hmm. and then you'll show them this and like nine percent. They're like, what? That's not even beer. That's beers. <laughs> this will kill me. Yeah. Um. And I think the like sixty five percent stuff is that's I don't know where you can get it. I don't think you can really. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that's so big. I don't want that. No man. Let's no. set. Let's set. If we ever bring beers to the show to to do like crazy curveballs. Yeah. 20% ABV is where we cut it. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, a beer. I think it was like a, a Gray Wednesday or one of the ones from the brewery or like, a, you know, the So Happens It's Tuesday that right. are like 18, 19%. Those are so big. It's like- Are they good? Some of them are good. You have to age it for a while for it to like mellow out or else it's just like drinking bourbon. You think that's one of the strongest ones you ever had? I think so. Right around the 20%. Yeah. Just a huge beer. That's crazy. I remember, so the ones that come to mind for me are like um, uh, Avery's, like Tweak, mm. Uncle Jacob's, yep. very, very strong, like 16, 17. Mm-hmm. That um, <clears throat> uh, Big Ass Money Stout from mm-hmm. uh, Evil Twin, I think, Yeah, the is one like with 17%. Cold pizza and money. Yeah, they had to put so much sugar to turn it into alcohol so you wouldn't taste people's dirty hands touching money that they put into the batch. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It was pretty good beer, though. So, Dude, I'm not liking this beer the more I drink it. Okay. I haven't uh, drank it in a minute, but that's okay. Let's say I finish up my glass as we move on to our hot and bothered segment of the week. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, you should go first. What's got you hot and or bothered this week, my friend Johnny Summers? The new God of War game for PS4 
I have been getting deep in that. Uh, a good friend of mine, Austin, Big Bald, if you're listening, you know who you are. Did you just call him Big Bald? Yeah, that's his nickname <laughs> I gave to him. And that's funny. I won't let go. Okay, sure. Uh, but yeah, he let me borrow it because he just got a new game or something, and it's old news to him. And I'm like, I don't buy new games. Give me. And it's so pretty. It's to the point where you're playing the game and the graphics are as good as like the cutscenes used to be. Is I'm sorry to cut you off. Is this the one with like, you have like a little kid? Yeah. Okay, I saw previews. It seems intense. <laughs> oh, it's really amazing. And it's all uh, Norse mythology themed. You're actually in Midgard, which is the realm of um, like Odin and Yeah, right. Like, uh, yeah. Well, you know, if you've watched any Marvel movie ever. Yeah. Or that's if where you read Thor any from. like high fantasy sure. stuff like that. It's or watch Vikings. <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, but it's pretty cool, man. Like the first boss fight, you have to fight uh, Odin's son, Baldur. Okay. It's it just cool. And it's it's amazing to look at. Like we finally hit the point where like playing the game is like watching a movie. Yeah. Like the so graphics wild. the graphics never dip off when you like are actually controlling the character. It's like when you, we've both played Diablo 3. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's like a, when I first got that game, I again, didn't buy it. Like a friend gave me that game. I was like, oh, I have a. PlayStation, I'll play this. Mm -hmm. There's the whole intro was like intense graphics. And then it's like, I was gorgeous. like, wow, is the whole game like this? And then, it, no, it's cuts yeah. away to more, um, mm -hmm. you know, what I would call video game graphics, but maybe that's antiquated yeah. at this point. Yeah. So it's kind of like that where the cutscenes are happening and you're getting this big, gorgeous intro. And then you just take over just controlling the guy. And I'm like, what? Yeah. This is amazing. So technology is at a really awesome place for video games. Yeah. And that game's got me pretty hot. Been playing it quite a bit. Nice, man. Any Anything bothering you? Uh, You know? Oh, movie talkers. Oh, I would love for you to tell this story. <laughs> I actually haven't even heard this outside of a text message. Yeah. So I went to see the movie for the show this week. Sure. Uh, Widows. Widows. Went to like a 4.15 showing here. What day of the week? Here in Chico. It was on a Monday. I went and saw it Monday because good night to go. There's like six people in the theater. I think to myself, I'm going to have a lovely time. There's not going to be anyone sitting right behind me or directly in front of me. Mm -hmm. Who would do that in a basically empty theater? In the holiday season too. Yeah. Who Come would on. just go directly behind someone? That's just weird. I bet you those people exist. Mm -hmm. They do. <laughs> and they walked into the theater and they walked right up to the aisle behind me and sat directly behind my head. I can just imagine these people like, you were there on time. They were not on time, right? No, they Sounds came like in they must like have been late. as the movie was starting. Ugh, already red yep. flag. And they sat right behind me. And they brought all these snacks from home that were in like hella crinkly bags. Dude. Um, but then they just didn't stop talking. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't like this, like talking. It sure. was you could tell they were whispering. Yes. Yeah. You know. But talking. But talking yeah. consistently. In every quiet scene of the movie, I would just stop. Yeah. And I was like, <clears throat> I gave them three, like two looks. Sure. One shush. Okay. So we're on offense number four. So this is fine. Also, like we've talked about this on the show. I, I say this and I don't ever, I don't ever do it, mm. but I think it's perfectly reasonable to turn around and say, excuse me, interrupting or like a look or like a shh. Yeah. And, and they were the dude. There was a couple, man. Okay. Um, How old? I Hard to say. Maybe mid twenties. Okay. Not, not old. <clears throat> Old enough to know better. Sure. But yeah, the dude was like, you know how it is when sitting someone is someone is sitting behind you. He's like a foot away from me. Oh yeah. Like I could just reach out and touch his knee. Sure. And I looked dead in the eye. Like twice. This is the fourth time now. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. And then the third time I turned around and said, Shh. Mm -hmm. About that loud. Like, come on, dudes. Really? Yeah. And the fourth <laughs> time it happened, I turned around and said, There's a pretty decent volume. Like, my God, you guys talk <laughs> a lot. 
And I just turned around and sat back down. And uh, not a peep the rest nothing. of the movie. Good, man. But it's like, dude, it's to the point where I have to say something like that. I'm like, all right, this dude's going to try and fight me or something stupid. Yeah. I'm like, your heart gets pumped and you're yeah, like, no, I'm about to have a confrontation. Yep. yep. You have that nervous energy where you're like, oh. It's the oh. same kind you get like if you see somebody on their phone or driving and you like honk at them and look at them. Mm-hmm. It's like the same like yeah. just adrenaline boost real oh, quick. Oh, yeah. Just like, ooh. Well, I commend you, man. I think that that's why I like seeing movies with you. I don't do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish I did, but I don't have it in me. Oh, I'm trying to get better. Yeah. Um. So good for you. Yeah. Um. So that was a mild bother, but it turned into sure. a funny story, and they did shut up. So yeah, maybe I helped the people in the next theater they're in. Yeah, touche. We that's, can help. That's the way to. That's the way to look at it. Young Maxwell, what's got you hot and or bothered? Well, I got a couple of things. Obviously, my sickness is not something I'm very happy with. Can I, I add that to my bother? Sure. Like this is very inconvenient for me. Yeah, of course you can. You can yeah, <laughs> jump on board, man. You're cramping my style, man. Um. So I. I am better now than I was the past couple of days. I got sick on Thursday. I was coming back from Reno and I felt it when I woke up. I woke up at like 5.30 in the morning, which is not what I was planning on doing. Mm-hmm. Um, But whatever. I felt it. I felt my throat getting sore. I was a little congested. I was like, you know what? Maybe I can just- uh, Tough can it out. Tough it out. Yeah. And I, I had Thursday off and I had gigs out in Modesto on Friday and Saturday. Uh, the short version is I had to cancel those gigs, which I never do. Uh, Because I couldn't basically speak when I woke up on Friday. So Mm. it felt like I was swallowing sandpaper. Mm. And um, canceled those gigs, which is a huge bummer. Um, So I'm not happy about being sick. But I said to you on the phone today, I'm not canceling a third thing, (laughs) even though I'm going to sound a little weird. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's not a great thing that's happened. Our fans are used to you sounding weird. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, Two good things. My friend Kyle, who I was in Reno with, Mm -hmm. uh, has been for a long time asking me to watch uh, this this thing by a dude named Darren Brown. He's a he's a I, uh, maybe a mentalist is the way to go. He uses psychology. Maybe you've seen this. We talked about this, did we? I encourage you to watch this too. What uh, talking I'm, about sacrifice? I am talking about sacrifice. Yeah, we talked about. Okay, this. great. So I finally watched Sacrifice. It's this Netflix special, right? Where, where this mentalist Darren Brown tries to tries to convince somebody to take a bullet for a total stranger with opposite ideologies. Uh, in this case, it's a guy who. Uh, is not a fan of specifically, in this case, Mexican immigrants. And it's this really fascinating, like 45 minute thing on Netflix. It's called Sacrifice. I really recommend watching it. It's great. I've watched it twice now. Did you cry? Showed it to Gianna and Tim. I've teared up a couple of times. Yep. And I watched it the second time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then the other thing is our friend Tim, who was staying with us, downloaded on his Nintendo Switch to bring it back to video games, the newest Super Smash Brothers. Um, super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I'm super jealous. It's great. And I've never, like, I've never been a guy that buys new video games. Like I when I was a kid, I'd go to GameStop and buy them used. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never been like at the front line of technology. So I got the, or I've played the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and it's great. Like I have a GameCube and a Nintendo 64 and have Smash Brothers for both of them. Mm-hmm. So it's super cool to see the new one. Yeah. So I'm stoked on that. That's, Those games are so fun. They're so fun. Yeah. I uh, stayed up last night um, drinking tea uh, after a couple of beers, which I should not have done because of sickness. But <laughs> alas, it had been a few days and I felt like I deserved a beer. Mm-hmm. Anyways, unlocked a few new characters. There's like, I think 76 characters total in nice. this one. So it's wild, man. I remember the last one I played, there was like Mortal Kombat characters in it. Like oh, really? All kinds of crazy stuff. I think. Interesting. Maybe. I might be tripping. I don't know. But yeah, it's like a, a all the video game universe has yeah. players in it. That's that's cool, man. Yeah. That sacrifice little dot. Oh, so good. So good. Like, I yeah. can't emphasize it enough. You kind of gave it a brief description, but for real, go watch that. Yeah. Like, it's it's it also has like a really good message. Totally. The end, which is so amazing in, in a time that is increasingly... Um, politicized and polarized and uh, yeah you know. the the message in that is one that we could all use 
a little dose of every once in a while. Yeah. You know, it was just good. It was one of those like heartwarming, make you feel good, teach you a good lesson type documentaries. Yeah. And it was very palatable too. Yeah, totally. Size wise. So yeah, right. Exactly. Like I'm, I'm shocked that I got so much emotional uh, payoff out of 45 minutes. Essentially. Yeah. It's great. It was. Um, do you want to jump, maybe jump to a break and then come back and talk about widows? Let's break it down. Cool. No spoilers yet. So stick around. Hey, you guys out there in Radio Land, if you're listening to this in Chico, California, and you are free for a beer today on Monday, you should go down to Secret Trail Brewing Company and check out their Explorer series. Every single Monday, they do a one-off keg with some crazy ingredients that you might never see again. Today, they released a beer called Mango Breeze. It's their Delta Breeze with Fresh Mango Edition. It's great, guys. They're open every Monday from 3 to 9. They're located at 132 Meyer Street. And if you want to see what's going on with them all the time, check them out on social media at Secret Trail Brewing Co. Live and drink off the beaten path. You have no idea, do you? Or did you choose not to know? Your husband stole $2 million from me. This is about my life. This is about my life. And because it's about my life, it now becomes about yours. <laughs> okay, so that was part of a trailer for the film Widows. It's directed by Steve McQueen, written by Steve McQueen and Gillian Flynn. Um, Johnny, what do you... What is this movie about, more or less? More or less, this movie is about a police shootout that leaves four dead during an explosive armed robbery attempt in Chicago. Their widows, Veronica, Linda, Alice, and Belle. Is it Belle or Bella? I think Belle. Okay, I yeah. thought so too. Uh, they have nothing in common except a debt left behind by their spouse's criminal activities. Hoping to forge a future on their own terms, Veronica joins forces with the other three women to pull off a heist that her husband was planning. So this movie stars Viola Davis as Veronica, the widow of Harry Rollins, played Liam by Neeson. Liam Neeson, and Michelle Rodriguez, who plays Linda. She's a mother of two who has a newly opened small business. It also stars Elizabeth Debicki, plays Alice. She's a seemingly fragile, abused wife and daughter. And Cynthia Erivo, uh, it's her feature film debut, actually. She plays Belle or Bella, uh, who, as far as I can tell, is sort of a last-minute addition to the crew. She's a very athletic gal who fills in as their driver. She's yoked. Yeah, it also stars Carrie Coon, who plays Amanda. And I can't remember, um, I couldn't find it online, oddly enough. Who was she married to? Do you know who I'm talking about? Mm -mm. Okay, we'll get back to it then. Um, and then in some subplots here, there is also Colin Farrell. He plays Jack Mulligan, a uh, political incumbent whose family has been in political power in Chicago for many generations. His assistant, Siobhan, is played by Molly Coons. It also stars Brian Tyree Henry playing Jamal Manning. He's the political challenger to Mulligan. And his uh, strong arm, sort of sociopathic brother to Tem, played by Daniel Kaluuya. Um, mm -hmm. Initial reactions to this, Johnny? I was uh, really, like, not impacted or uh, super impressed with this movie. Uh, it did a lot of things right and well. And I think it's a good movie, but I just really think uh, I wasn't that into it. It really didn't. Uh, affect me or I didn't get invested really. Sure. It was all just, it felt very like a superficial movie for me. I just wasn't, I didn't get deep into it. Um, there were some scenes that were cool. Uh, there were definitely some scenes that were weird. 
uh, this this director has a very visionary uh, artistic eye. Yeah, and some of yeah. the scenes with close ups really were a bit heavy handed and distracting. I think it's opinion. important to to point out the editor on this. I wrote it wrote it down here. Um, it was edited by Joe Walker, who was nominated for an Oscar for both 12, 12 Years a Slave, which he also worked with Steve McQueen on, mm-hmm. uh, and Arrival. Um, two very very intense sort of artsy movies when there's there's moments of like these. Um, like there's obviously a very specific direction that they're both going with. And I think there were a lot of those moments in this movie, like you're saying also. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the director, I, I was reading and listening to another podcast and he's kind of a, like an acclaimed visual artist in his own right. So that really lends itself to the style of the movie, whether you enjoyed it or not, it was definitely made with a specific style. Uh, my main beef with this movie is the character development and my lack of any, real attachment or vested interest in anything that happens in any of these people's lives. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to respond to that in a minute. I, I did want to say it came out on November 16th of 2018. It's rated R. Um, it runs long at two hours and eight minutes. Um, and as of December 9th, it's estimated it's made about 38 million. What are your thoughts? Well, so there, I, I'm very, very polarized on this, I think, because to some extent what you're saying, I completely agree with. I mean, there's so many different, um, story arcs in this. Like there's some would say too many. I I think maybe too many. Um, there's, I mean, there's themes in here of like racial and economic inequality, domestic abuse, um, the, the stupidity of really powerful men, political corruption, women taking back their own agency. I mean, it's all kind of wrapped up in this like non-traditional heist film. And I, I think as an audience, we're asked to to really invest in these characters that, and there's so many people in this movie. Like you have Viola Davis, who is kind of the head the, the ringleader of, of the, of the crew. And she's, I mean, maybe we should back up a little bit. Like Liam Neeson is this character who um, has been in the crime business for decades and he's very meticulous and puts together crews and this one job goes wrong and then they all die, which is where we get the widows from and yep. they have to come together to. And that's no spoiler. It's right. within the first 30 seconds yeah. of the movie. That's a, which is actually kind of a bold way to come out swinging. Like they started with a big heist scene um, which kind of didn't super work for me in terms of building tension. Like it kind of threw me into it too fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't care about any of these people. No, at all. Um, which is kind of my main, my main gripe with the romance story between Viola Davis and Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. Like very early on, we're asked to really care about the fact that he has died and she's a grieving widow, and I just didn't. Nope. Um, like there's there's a, a moment where she's staring into a mirror and she just breaks down and screams. And it just didn't do anything for me. Like I didn't, I don't know him. I don't know her. I don't know them outside of like the fact that they make out really intensely with a lot of tongue. A lot. The first like two scenes of the movie mm-hmm. would really put me off. Yeah, no. That's personal though. That's my own thing. Yeah. Um, Are you anti-tongue? I just don't like watching it. It's, it's a little aggressive. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, all that to say, like there's, there's so many of these story arcs happening. Um, I think this movie would have done well narrowing it down. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think it needed to be all of these things, though I do think a lot of the messages that these story arcs give out is they're good. They're yeah. good messages. I feel like, you know, we can't say that it's a bad movie, you know, without mentioning that like the things that it's trying to say are valid. Completely. You know? Like I'm not yeah, that's the thing. It's like you almost feel like you have to tread a little lightly. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not criticizing this movie is not no, to criticize like women doing. You know, things. it's promoting racial equality, right, like, and that really bums me out. And that, that no, it's right, not like that. that. Kind of leads me to the point that I was 
I think somewhere in my brain was realizing like a lot of this is really on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple lines that, j- that just thinking about it come back. Like there's a scene where the four gals are all talking, like getting this heist going. And I think it was uh, Michelle Rodriguez that says something like, what am I supposed to do? And then Viola Davis is like, be smarter than you are now. And then, like, that just seems so cheesy to me. Yeah. And then also like there's Jack Mulligan, um, Colin Farrell's dad. I uh, can't think of that actor's name. Duvall. Right? Yeah, Robert Duvall. Dude, um, that character didn't even need to exist. No, but he's like overtly racist, so we can have like this racist bad guy too. And he was old and white. Yeah, right. And like, there's there is something to be said for like old white dudes trying to keep power in in really heavy metropolitan areas. Yeah, nobody's done, like, so criticizing those characters is not us denying that. I want to no. throw that out for some reason. I think we have to exactly. But it's, like, that's the climate of 2018. Also, I'm just going on this because like I want to get some of this negative stuff out of the way before I start talking about the things I liked about this movie. Um, but I just feel like it was a little bit too dense. Like you have, so you have Viola Davis being the the kind of strong arm of the heist crew, mm-hmm. um, and then you have like Alice played by Elizabeth Debicki, who is um, a victim of domestic abuse, and her mother treats her horribly. And her whole character arc is actually, I think, at least in terms of acting, done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Plus, she's like six four. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, um, she's crazy. She's very very tall. Yeah. Yes, um, and like you can see a palpable change in her from beginning to end. Like she's mm-hmm. just very poor. I think, I think the turning point was like the gun, the gun show or the gun auction or whatever. Um, and she like realizes she can manipulate people and she's not a total idiot and she's not a victim. And and I think watching her rise is one of my favorite character arcs. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam Neeson, I don't uh, love. No. <laughs> Almost in anything that he's no. done since like Les Mis. Can I, can I go back to Elizabeth? Debecky's yeah, character sure. for a minute. Uh, do you feel like that is the character arc that you appreciated because it was the only one that actually had an arc? Mm. There was nothing really that changed in any of these characters except for her. Like, I mean, yeah, man. Like it's it's tricky. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of like a counter argument to that, but I a lot of these characters were pretty one dimensional through acts one, two, and three for me. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think so too. I I do think the performances. With like, I think Viola Davis has a great job with what she's given. Sure, um, you know she has she has the range of being, um, you know, like a, a mourning widow, but also a crime boss essentially. Yeah, and I think she does all of that very well. Sure, I just wish, like, I I would have given a lot to have like half half the the narrative arcs here and like really focus on either go political with it, go. Cr- I know it's all kind of all related, but. Can we say not even just to have more of an arc, but any backstory that would make you care about these people? Yeah, man. You know, anything that would set up their character as being someone you identify with or have empathy for, Mm -hmm. there was none of that. So, I mean, how can you have an arc without those, those simple things? Yeah. It's, it's rough, man. I, um, yeah, no, I agree. (laughs) Um, I want to point out, I think one of the main kind of criticism or not criticisms, um, conflicts and, uh, kind of, uh, you know, points of contention between the two sides. If you want to say like the, the women in the heist are one and like the politic people are on the other sides. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene where, uh, Jatem played by Daniel Kaluuya is following Veronica. Um, and there's this, he's like sitting in his car waiting for her to come out of, I think the salon or something. Um, I can't remember, but there's a thing on the radio and it's a, it's this report about a guy who spent like decades in jail in solitary confinement. Um, and there's a quote from this guy, I can't think of his name, but he says something along the lines of like, nothing you do is going to change your situation. And I think that says a lot about um, just kind of the two opposing mentalities here. Like you, 
I'm kind of branching into like the things I liked about this movie at this mm-hmm. point, but you have this group of mostly minority women um, who are realizing their husbands are, or at least have been a pretty substantial driving factor in their lives and are essentially saying no more. We're doing this for ourselves, which is the opposite of like Daniel Kaluuya's character. And by proxy, everybody else he's related to like Colin Farrell and just everybody on that side, men basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought that was very powerful. It really set the stage for me. I also want to say there are some pretty cool long shots here. Um, I think the cinematography in this was pretty well done. Um, in parts, I agree. Yeah. That scene outside of the car when they were going from the political speech to his house. Yes. Where this, that was really neat. Yeah. A very noticeable long shot. I think that was great. Um, I want, yeah, go ahead. What did you think about the close ups in this movie? Cause there were many, I mean, they were intentional. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was un- unmistakably intentional. Yeah. I, it's tricky, man. Like I, I think a good close up can be it. Close ups are like slow-mo in my brain. Like if you take a movie like 300, um, there's all these like ramping in it or like Kingsman, right. Or even friggin' Robin hood. Mm. Um, it's a great, all those are great examples of slow motion being overused. Mm-hmm. But I think if you do it tastefully, it can be very effective. And I think the same with close ups. Um, if you use them sparingly for very emotional moments, they're great. But yeah, I think there were a little, maybe too many. Yeah. Um, I would like to have seen less of them cause they would have actually had an impact. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Kind of same. Daniel Kaluuya, best part of this movie for me. Really? I liked his character. That's so interesting. I just like him as an actor. I did too. And he was doing something a bit more villainous than we've ever seen him do. And it was yeah. it was a little unsettling. Dude, he's got like dead eye look. Yeah. Just like just no emotion. Like complete sociopath. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? Like he's just, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. If him and Michelle Rodriguez had a baby, it would be like the least emotional baby in the world. <laughs> just have like the most resting, don't care about anything face. Just. Dead shark eyes. Just yeah. Yep. But yeah, he's uh he's an imposing presence. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. There are a couple scenes where like Viola Davis is kind of threatened um by different characters on screen. Like I think it kind of opens up the reason we do this whole heist in the first place is because uh Brian Tyree Henry's character character Jamal Manning, uh, who is the political opponent, kind of like threatens her, like, hey, your husband stole two hundred or two million dollars from me, you owe me that money. Like that scene didn't work for me. Um, I don't know, man. There were there were a lot of things that didn't work, but then there's a lot of things that do. And and like the premise that this movie is built around, I think is something I can get behind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like the premise of the movie and I like kind of, you know, obviously empowering women's awesome. Sure. And like it's nice to see a movie that's, you know, led by females and minorities as well. Like that's that's really cool to see I, more yeah. people, more cast sure. diversity. Um <laughs> But I, I want to see that balanced out by good filmmaking and good writing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I guess if if I remember to do this, I'd like to elaborate. But one of my things was like, there's this, this movie builds to this pivotal heist, right? Um, and like at no point did I really feel like, I guess I was hoping from a heist movie perspective, there'd be a moment where I was like, they've they've been one step ahead the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like I never got that. No. But maybe that's more of the the story they're going for. Like, these women are not, they're not heist geniuses. They're doing what they have to do to survive. Yeah. Which I also like, but I don't know. At that point in the movie, I wanted like, I wanted like a big, like, ah, yeah. they've known all along. Well, I think you just wanted to feel something. I just wanted to feel something <laughs> triumphant. Yeah. Like I felt a lot of things here, but n- yeah, just nothing in the vein of a triumphant heist movie. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't think it was meant to be that. Yeah. But, no, it wasn't. Uh, but yeah. also I, I'm 
a bit confused as to what it was supposed to be. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah, man, it was cluttered. That's one word that really came to mind mid-movie, just like I'm keeping track of like so many different little plot lines and the political aspect. I mean, you could have made a movie just about the political side of this yep. story. Um, so, yeah, Colin Farrell's whole character and the, I mean, it was just, it was unnecessary. Yeah. It just complicated I, the movie. Develop yeah. the the female characters. We're here for these yeah. four women. Yeah. We want these characters to develop and you want to endear to them. Just don't throw in like this whole other mess of yeah. nonsense. Yeah. When we get to the danger zone and start spoiling stuff, we should talk about kind of, like I'd mentioned before, like a big twist. Yeah. I'm involving characters that'd be into that. But before we get to any of that, do you want to rate it? And I, Oh, actually, I did want to say, like, uh, we were talking on the break, and I feel like this, for me, deserves a second watch because a lot of critics that I really respect love this movie. Mm. So I think my rating for now is going to be sort of um, maybe temporary, maybe not. Yeah. Um, and I want to go back and watch it with more of the cinematography in mind and more of kind of just an overall theme rather than nitpicking plot points. That said, I do want to give it a rating now. Yeah, me too. And I'd like to add an, a bit of a, a, a side note to my viewing as well. I'd like to watch it again in the comfort and quiet of my own oh, home. Oh, yeah. See, that always always messes with you. There's it, no way around it. It impacts a movie, for sure. Like, if I could just do private screenings, I would probably rate movies a little bit different. Yeah, totally. It makes me think we should do DVDs every once in a while. Yeah. So we can control our experience. There's a movie coming out on Netflix. I don't know if you know about this, um, but it's with Sandra Bullock. Oh yes, yeah. I'm in, I'm in. What's it called? Like free, not free bird. Uh, yeah, uh, bird. box, bird box, bird box. Yeah, yeah. It's, that looks amazing. You've already heard people being like, "It's a quiet place, but with blindness." Yeah, I'm. I'm still gonna watch it. Oh yeah, maybe we'll do that. Mm-hmm. It could be fun. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, overall, this movie, uh, I liked the idea of it, uh, but it did not follow through in the execution, and it fell really flat, and uh, it bummed me out. I wish I was more invested. Uh, so because of all the things I've just mentioned, I'm going to give it a flat three. Oh, wow. That's a much, I was starting to write a five. I was guessing. No. A three. Okay. Yeah. I just, I will watch it again on principle, uh, and maybe go back and change that. But based on what I experienced and how I feel about the movie, like right now, uh, I just couldn't give it any more than that. Fair. I think I have similar thoughts, though. I do give a little bit more credit to the performances in here, um, and like again, like Alice's character arc is very good. It's great seeing the downfall of like racist white dudes at this point. So, um, all that plus everything we've just said, I'm gonna give it a six point five. Yeah. Um, with the caveat that I want to watch it again. Um, also not in a theater. I was in a. I didn't even talk about it, but a, a weird viewing situation also. Okay. So I'm gonna watch it again probably when it comes out on DVD. And I'm all about empowering women, but like I said, I want to see it balanced by just awesome movies yeah like too. give it yeah like like flush it out completely like i feel like the two aren't mutually exclusive no it can do both yeah so let's do that all right well let's go to break we'll come back with the danger zone our second and final beer and then we're going to spoil widows stick around young maxwell have you been to the handlebar to eat lately yeah i have it's really good i love their food their new menu is killer i'm gonna stop calling it new now i think They've it's like open. a year old yeah, yeah. Like their, their remodel is like a year now yeah and it's looking good. Yeah. I like it in there. And they've got a killer happy hour every single day of the week. From 2 to 6 p.m., you're going to get a dollar off any draft beer. That's the best deal in town, if you ask me. It really is. Once again, that's a dollar off any draft beer at the Handlebar right here in Chico at 2070 East 20th Street, right by Best Buy, right by Winco, right by your house, because Chico's a small town. So go check them out. The Handlebar. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. You heard it first. You heard it here. Welcome to the Danger Zone, everybody. 
This is where we get a little bit crazy in this show. We uh, we spoil the movie for one. We tend to open our mouths a little bit more to swear words if those come to us. Uh, and we pour, our, most importantly, our second and final beer. This one is brought by Mr. Johnny Summers, so I'm going to leave it to him to tell you exactly what he is pouring into our respective glasses. I'm carefully pouring. Don't distract me. What he is pouring Focus. into our respective glasses. There we go. Okay. <laughs> All right. We are drinking Expedition Stout from Bell's Brewing out of Comstock, Michigan. That's MI, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a Russian Imperial Stout clocking in at 10.5%. This was bottled on uh, 0-10-2018. Oh, sorry, dude. That's supposed to be a nine. That's my bad. That's fine. September. Zero ten thirty. Not a Not a real time. More date. This beer is one of the earliest examples of the Russian Imperial Stout style in the United States. Uh, this one and I believe uh, the one from North Coast, Old Rasputin. Yes. Some of the oldest brewed around commercially. Uh, Expedition Stout offers immensely complex flavor crafted specifically with aging in mind. It even says on the bottle, you can stick it in your cellar, let it sit for a while. Yeah, well, if you listen to last week's episode, you know that that might not be true if you have a bad batch of beer. Looking at you, probably crux. Damn it. Yeah, maybe. This is intense, by the way. Yeah? Yeah, when I made our episode notes and kind of assumed that your beer would be second today, I didn't before I knew what it was. I was kind of hoping it'd be a strong stout. Yeah. And I was right. This How's is a, it's a strong stout. It's there's, a big beer. There's a lot going on here. It's definitely boozier than the Rogue yeah. Double Chocolate Stout. I like it significantly more. Uh, shout out. Where did we get this? So Buddy Austin brought it back up from <laughs> Big his- Bald. <laughs> Big Bald. Yeah. Brought it back up Great. from his trip to SoCal over the Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, he actually gave us our the first time we did Two Hearted. Oh, and it yeah. was it was poo poo because it was old and gross. Yeah, it, I don't remember what episode that was, but Two Hearted Bell's Two Hearted Ale is a uh, world famous, world famous because it it beat out Pliny the Elder. Not it, it, you know, it's hard to say like the best beer. It's all subjective, but it was a particular competition. I can't remember which one. I don't remember either, but it stylistically it was broken down. So that was like voted the best double IPA in America. Right. So I had it uh, on the show first time, and then I was not ideal mm -hmm. um but then i had it again in new orleans they had it they had it at this random bar um in cans for like two or three bucks and you're like yes please i had a couple yes yeah, it, it was very good yeah yeah fresh that beer is tremendous but, yeah so uh, i'm i'm interested because this is a and in, in terms of aging this is a very new mm -hmm. beer um and i think this is probably a case where this beer would have been really really good aging it also definitely though it's not bad now no it's still very good now yeah so, you know, he did give us an old beer, but he's gone and done a thing like this and totally redeemed sure. himself. Sure, in case, yeah, in case we were holding a grudge. Yeah, I was. I hadn't spoken to him since, actually. This is, that's, nope. Um, <laughs> this is good, man. I'm, I'm a fan of this. Do you want to read what's on the bottle or should we just start digging into it? Oh, man. Is there stuff on the bottle? I don't bottle? know. There might be. There is. Cool. The Russian Imperial Stout thirsts for travel. A huge malt body is matched with a blend of complex chocolate, dark fruit, and roasted aromas. I don't know, an aroma gets roasted, man. You know, you know aromas you of in, roastedness. You know, lock it in the oven and roast that aroma. Uh, this pier is ready to be enjoyed now or sit perfectly content in your cellar until the next journey. This is, it's, 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 it is complex. There's a lot going on. Um, it's got a really solid body. Overall feels like a solid, heavy imperial stout. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that I feel like it's fully balanced flavor-wise. 
um, I'm getting a little bit more sweetness than maybe I was expecting. And that might just be on me or following this double chocolate stout, which is very bitter mm-hmm. with all those chocolate notes. This is definitely on the sweeter kind of caramely butterscotch type side to it, me. It is. And I like it for that. Okay. You can tell just in the smell, it's going to be nice and sweet. Uh, I really like that. I think it, it lends itself to um, cold weather for sure. Yeah. It's definitely a good December beer. And it's really nice with the bitterness of the coffee. Yeah. It really plays well off of each other. I'm not not mad at this. I'm also not mad at it. Um, it's no man. It's good. I um I don't think it's gonna make like a top ten list of mine or anything, but it would if you were ranking non barrel aged stouts, non barrel aged non adjunct stouts. Well, that's that's true. I mean, let's judge it for what it is, man. Yeah, I am. Yeah, you're right. If we were just talking imperial stouts, yes, it's very good. It would Um, be up there, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's some that are better, but like. I think overall it holds its own on anything non-barrel aged, non-adjunct. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, just because it's 10.5%, what jumps to mind is 1050. Mm. I mean, I still think 1050 blows the water, blows most other beers out of the water in term, in that category. It's barrel aged. No, it isn't. Not the, the non-barrel aged version. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you're right. But, but they're, I mean, the barrel aged ones. I just had a barrel aged one with Kyle and Reno, actually. It's pretty good. It's, we had a brand new one, though, too. That's so it was a little good. bit less um, rounded, a little bit sharper. The last couple times I've had that beer, I was not impressed. Really? Yeah. I remember before we started this podcast, we split a case of it. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. Um, it was a lot. Not, not like all at once or anything. <laughs> you didn't just like drink a case. Yeah. You know. Well, one night, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Right. I have one sitting in my beer cellar. Maybe we'll bust that out since we were talking about it this episode. That'd be great. See I'm, how it's drinking. I'm fresh out. And I think they're selling around places for like 10 or 12 bucks each. Yeah. This one's like three years old though. Nice. So that'd be good. Yeah. No, I, I do like this beer though. I don't want to undersell it. It's I, very good. Definitely holds up for me with uh, pretty much any other non-barrel aged, non-adjunct, just Russian or regular Imperial stout. Like, Right. So you mentioned Old Rasputin. How does this compare to that for you? I think it's a little bit better. Yeah? Yeah. Old Rasputin doesn't have uh, that underlying sweetness. Yeah. It's definitely a bit more of a straightforward punch in the face type stout. Whereas this one, it has nice, nice soft edges. It really lures you in with that sweetness and gets yeah. you to keep drinking it. I mean, but there's also that really nice finish of kind of coffee and mellow chocolate. Mm-hmm. Super caramely up front, though. Yeah. Very, very chewy, like caramel. I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah. I do too. This is very good. Yeah. Um, is it too early to rate it, you think? No. I mean, it's not, it's complex, but it's not like we can talk about it for an hour. It's, it's pretty much there but i think this is an incredibly above average uh representation of this style i think i would absolutely seek this out this is definitely an 8.5 for me 8.5 yeah i like this beer quite a bit shout out to you austin for redeeming yourself yeah. you can now be a fan of our show Thanks, again. dude yeah i'm gonna give it an eight I, yeah. it's just a little bit too sweet for me yeah that's, I th- that's still a good rating it's great i uh I, I think that i would defer to old rasputin given the choice between the two um and then still 1050 Rain Supreme by Oscar Blues for me. But um, this is very good. This is a very solid beer. Uh, I think in a 12-ounce bottle like it came in, it's a perfect amount. I'm glad it's not in 750. Right. Would have been a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. But all in all, very solid beer by Bell's Expedition Stout. Get it if you can. Let us know what you think. We are on Untapped and other places. Oh, yeah. I got to check that in now. That's yeah. the thing I have now to do. Now we've tried it. We got to do that after the show. Yep. So, I don't know. You want to jump back to uh, to Widows? Yeah. Spoilers abound. Beware. Beware, yes. beware. 
So Liam Neeson's a douche in this movie. Right. And like, I didn't buy it, dude. No. But but on one hand, like I kind of did because there's no establishing. Like I don't I didn't really buy their romance from the get-go. So no. like maybe he's a dick. I don't well, we I don't know. We didn't know enough about him to know if he's maybe just a really shitty criminal and he got blown up. Like Right. So like that that was the giveaway for me too. Like I think it was supposed to be this big reveal. Like, oh my god, Liam Neeson's still alive. But like he parked their getaway van in a room filled with explosive fuel. Mm-hmm. No way. So I call it like the second that happened, I was like, either they're all still alive and that was a setup or actually that's what I thought. Yeah. So then like when it was just him, I was like, wow, he's also not loyal to his crew. Yeah. Okay. He also just killed off his crew. So that's the, the big twist is that it turns out one of them. They try yeah, to, yeah. it turns out three quarters of the way through the movie. You find out Liam Neeson's still alive. And he's also doing some kind of deal with Colin Farrell. And I didn't really keep up with that. No, I didn't either. It was so vague. And like, they just started peppering you with data. Like you should know what the fuck's happening. I I think the idea was that like that last job uh, where he stole from Jamal Manning played by uh, Brian Tyree Henry. Like he was stealing on behalf of Jack Mulligan, Colin Farrell's character. So that guy that, Liam Neeson stole from was the opposing political figure in this movie yes. opposite Colin Farrell. Right. So it's like maybe like, I guess he recruited Liam Neeson to do this so that he would have no opponents politically. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Cause it's going to suck the wind out of his sails. It was the cash for his campaign. So then I said earlier, Carrie Coon who plays Amanda, who is in, on our notes is someone's wife. <laughs> yeah. Is, is the woman that he was going to run away with mm, and have another baby. I guess. Yeah. Um, there was that whole thing too. There's like, that whole thing. Yeah. Oh, they lost a kid. Like, oh they, yeah, yeah. Right. So like, there's also police, uh, brutality slash yeah, murder. And that felt so heavy hand, not even heavy hand. It just felt like it was thrown in. It was forced. Yeah. So on one hand, don't want to negate the fact, like if you are the father responsible, more or less in this case for like your son being shot by police, who is also black, you're going to have some demons. Mm hmm. I don't, it still wasn't enough. No. Like that was his reason for wanting to leave her. And like, I don't know, man, it was all so weird. It was, did yeah. And like the final scene with the two of them where she sees him for the first time, he's like, you should have just listened. Like you should have just sold them the notebook. And like, he's going to shoot her. Then she shoots him. But at the same time, like she knew he was alive because she saw his flask at her at Amanda's house. Mm-hmm. Like, why was she freaking out when she saw him? Like, she literally started crying. I get that it's emotional, but like, you, I don't know, man. It just was weird to me. It was very weird. That whole thing was very weird. That whole twist, I didn't buy. No, it was just like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. And but, also, to some extent, like if 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 you wanna if you wanna say that each of these women are the lead parts of their respective character arcs. We're supposed to empathize with her when she sees her dead husband. Yeah. And, and I give zero shit. And it's the same thing from the beginning. Like when he's dead, I don't care. Like I don't know her. I don't know him. I don't know them. Yeah. I don't care at all. No. Uh, so good. I'm glad she shot him. Yeah. Because he's the worst, clearly. But like outside of that, nothing. No, dude. It was almost surprising how little I cared about this movie. Like it bummed me out. Yeah. Like they, I could have yeah. very easily. They gave me nothing. They gave me nothing to work with, man. Yeah. Yep. It was just like here. And the fact that they killed all the dudes within 30 seconds of the movie starting. That's the other thing. It was like, a, like we didn't mention really the dude cast. No. But like Liam Neeson, John Bernthal was in it. I yeah. can't name other people right yeah. now, but. And two other guys. Yeah. I thought like for sure they would be coming back. Cause it was kind of a, you know, relatively well-known, like familiar faces type yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. But what were you going to say? Sorry. The fact that. Oh, just the fact it felt like we jumped in like halfway through a movie. Yes. And it's, it's like, a bold move starting a movie with a intense moment, you know? Yeah, it didn't work though. It, it was bold and done right if you if you 
treat the rest of the movie right you know well they just because they did the thing where like they were in the middle of the heist and then you'd hear one of the characters in the van screaming something it would jump to them and then they would do a flashback to their life Mm -hmm. and it's like it just felt like they were trying to throw a lot at us yeah and i just couldn't i didn't have the mental capacity to get invested in all of them nope the character development really was the biggest problem yeah if i cared more about even one more person in this movie it would have changed my whole outlook on it yeah there was a movie we did um Oh, it was Shape of Water. You have um, the bad guy in that. What the hell is that actor's name? Yeah. Uh, Michael Shannon. Mm-hmm. And it's like there was a moment where, okay, well, he's clearly misogynistic. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's also racist. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's also kind of rapey. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like they just took all of these bad qualities in this film and just gave them to one of the dudes that the widows were married to. Yeah. Like, one is abusive and one is clearly um, not attached at all. One has, like, a gambling or, like, type of debt to a mob or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It was, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It was cluttered. Not fully developed. No, it was cluttered, you know? So, yeah. I don't really have much else to say about it. Who man. was your favorite performance in this? Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. You? Um, I think I think probably Elizabeth Debicki, just because she had the most to work. I think she had the most character work to do. Yeah. Second, probably Viola Davis, given her limited character arc she acted her role as good as she could the way it was written yeah i think i think she does really well she's very expressive and and i think she can say a lot more with a look than a lot of people can with dialogue yeah that's Um, fair and there's moments in this where i feel where i did feel that for a minute and then my brain would kick and be like why do i care Mm -hmm. but before that happened like oh she's a good actress yeah yeah um so I, i think those two were probably my main ones um i actually feel the opposite about daniel kaluuya believe it or not really yeah, it's cool to see him doing more of like the um, cold-hearted villain thing. Mm-hmm. Given the uh, relativity, when I compare it to like Get Out, where he's so likable, mm-hmm. uh, so it says a lot about his versatility as an actor, I think. But um, I don't know. I don't think he had a lot here either. He just was like a, a maniacal torture kind of dude. He just played a good creepy guy. Yeah, you know, and which is fair. Yeah, it was a good role. It was he acted it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fair. Overall, this movie was very flat for me. Yeah. yeah. All right. But that is what it is. They're not all winners. Well, we've been talking about Widows. Uh, we are a podcast. Every week we're, what? we're coming out, so we're going to be here. This is a podcast? Next week as wow. well. That's Johnny Summers. Yep, and that is young Max Minardi, and he will be back at 100% of lung and throat capacity next week. <laughs> we hope to see you then. Please tune in. Please also, we haven't said this in a while, if you like our show, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps other people find us or Apple Music or Stitcher or wherever you listen to our stupid voices. Uh, and, and let other people know that you like us. If you don't like us, don't leave us a review. Or do. Or do. Make funny jokes. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, follow us on social media. Interact with us. I like it when you guys like our Instagram pictures. It makes me smile. So go do it right now. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.